Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. It's different for everyone. One thing is certain. Every day there's an opportunity for a win. Just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Everyday grab-and-go. Everyday giftable. Everyday fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher High Roller Blackjack with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to a retailer near you. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16. Contracts. Salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand. As you know, it's presented by BetOnline.ag. That's your online sportsbook experts. They're the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet, which this podcast is part of. If you want to get in, use your promo code PODCAST1. You get that 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline.ag. And that segues to what we'll have a special guest talking about betting this week with March Madness and one in five Americans betting. We'll get to our special guest in a minute. First, my rant of the week, and it's about the Mike Trout contract. There's nothing more impressive about the business of sports this week than Mike Trout reported $420 million contract. Now, I think there are a couple options at the end of it, but there's 350 plus, 370 plus, I don't know what it is, that is fully guaranteed. You know, when Bryce Harper signed with the Phillies a couple weeks ago, then the um, you know the Twitter machine went crazy when he sent something about, sure, I'm going to contact Mike Trout, tell him to come home. Mike Trout, a regular Philadelphia Eagles season ticket holder, big-time guy at the Jersey Shore, always around the Philly area where I'm coming to you from. And the natural inclination was, yeah, get him with Trout, get him with Harper, the Phillies have a juggernaut. Mike Trout comes home. Great. But as I said, I tweeted, no way the Angels let that happen. And man, the tweetbacks like, oh, he'll never sign with the Angels. He's going to come to Philly. He will never turn, he will turn down anything the Angels come with him. Well, it turns out he's not turning down this. This is the contract of the century, so far at least. And it puts to shame every other contract in every other team sport, not only the NFL, but also NHL and even NBA, where the biggest contracts are in the 200-plus range. You know, again, you know my thing about guarantees. This will be mostly guaranteed contract, guaranteed earnings of probably over $350 million, which will eclipse Bryce Harper, $330 million. You know, the NFL, the largest guarantee, full guarantee, is really $84 million from Kirk Cousins. And I know, here come here they come again, more players in baseball. Yeah, there are more players in soccer than in the NFL. Should they get paid more? Uh, you know, more players in the NFL than soccer players, more players in the NFL than hockey players, more players in the NFL than pick another league. So, again, don't come to me with lazy about they play more games. They're, yeah, okay, uh, I'm just not even going to deal with that. Mike Trout, this contract is amazing, and it had to be. I mean, it basically had to be. The Angels were not going to get him for anything but stupid money, even a year or two before he becomes a free agent, because they weren't going to let him sniff free agency in a world where Bryce Harper and the Phillies were potential bidders and not only did they have the money, the Phillies, and Bryce Harper to attract him, but he's from Philly. He's a Philly guy, as everyone says. But it's not going to happen because Mike 
trout is going to be an angel for many years to come, just as I think Albert Pujols still has like three years left on that deal. Remember that deal? For a guy who was 30, this is a guy who's 26. It'll take him to, I think, 39. Uh, And Mike Trout's going to be an angel. And I don't even see them trading him. Why would you ever trade Mike Trout, best player in baseball? And by that time, if he continues his upward trajectory, that'll be a reasonable contract. But they had to sign him. And Mike Trout had to take the deal. You get offered a multiple of the best deal in the history of the sport a year before free agency. You got to take it. You got to take it. So I get it. You know, people say, well, Mike Trout should have, if anyone says Mike Trout should have waited, waited for what? Waited to get the same deal in Philly in two years? No, you don't do that. I mean, are really, is it going to go up that much in free agency? No. They basically paid retail prices, free agent prices, for someone who's not a free agent. So I guess it is one of those win-wins. I mean, listen, the A Angels, sorry, Los Angeles Angels had to pay him and had to give him stupid money. And when we talk about stupid money, there are degrees. Now, the owner of the Phillies gave Bryce Harper stupid money, but now we're in a, in a whole nother level of stupid money which is getting Mike Trout signed up because he'll never see free agency in his lifetime, probably. And to do that, you had to not only overpay, but you had to stupid pay and you had to go beyond stupid pay and give him this premium of a hundred million dollars, almost more than Bryce Harper, who eclipsed the record of third by $30 million. It's just amazing. The money going to these players, but Kudos to Mike Trout, and I guess kudos to the Los Angeles Angels, who forestalled the possibility of Mike Trout ever wearing another uniform. The only way he'll do that is if they want him to through some kind of blockbuster trade down the road. That is what's going on with Mike Trout. Now, a word from MetPro. You know them. They've been on the podcast. Angela Poli, the founder and chairman of, of MetPro. They are that proven platform. They help people transform their bodies. C-level executives, athletes, all types of people. And as I tell you every week, this is data. This is not guessing. There's no guesswork. They use your individual data. They identify the best nutrition, the best training strategy to use your metabolic profiling to get the baseline. They're experts. They trained at what they do. And they know you have stressful and busy lives, busy schedules. So as I've experienced, they work one-on-one, identify specific response to diet and activity, They make adjustments based on personal goals, lifestyle, and needs. So don't spend hours doing it without purpose. You can take progress to the next level. What do you do? You go to metpro.co with my code, BOS, metpro.co slash BOS. That'll get you in with my code to metpro. On to our special guest. My guest on the Business of Sports podcast this week is Sarah Slane. Sarah, I know well from the gambling world. She's Senior Vice President of Public Affairs for the American Gaming Association, and what a year it's been for them. I thought I'd get her on to talk about this week, maybe the busiest week for gambling, I guess, in college sports. (laughs) It's March Madness, and I saw the release from the American Gaming Association about the vast numbers being spread around this week in gambling and it's always the case but we're in a new era right now i want to talk about it so sarah welcome to the podcast good to talk to you as always hey andrew thank you so much for having me 
What a week, huh? Now, let's talk about March Madness pre-legalized sports betting, because as we know, we're in a new world since the decision invalidating PASPA that regulated sports betting. And now states, state by state, we know what's going on, legalization. So I guess the question is, maybe before we get into some specifics, compare the pre legalized sports betting world to this week and how different is it? Yeah. Thank, thanks, Andrew. Um, you know, I, I think the hardest thing for us, uh, cause we've had a lot of questions about just the year over year comparison is, um, you know, we are, we are moving into an era now where we have eight states with, uh, legalized sports betting and have given now the consumers the ability to, to actually go, legally bet on the tournament and um, versus where we were this last year at the same time where you only had the ability to um, to legally bet in the state of Nevada. So um, definitely a new territory for, um, for consumers, for the gaming industry, for the sports industry. And um, so it'll be really, really interesting to see over the next two weeks um, when we get those results back from those states with legalized sports betting to see uh, how much of that is actually taking place in the regulated market. Now, you put out a number that's obviously eye-popping. Um, Americans are expected to wager $8.5 billion on this year's March Madness, the NCAA tournament. Now, can you compare that number to, for instance, before these eight states uh, have legalized gambling as they do this year? Yeah, you know, it's unfortunately, this this is definitely more of a, an art than a science sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, extraordinarily difficult to to um, to calculate. So, you know, I, we know the number's big. We've guessed that for a long time. You know, we've been consistent in saying it's Somewhere uh, in its totality, the illegality around 150 billion dollars that's being wagered um, illegally, and um, yeah, so I think you know at the end of the day, um, it will be interesting now to move and see if consumers are doing this in a uh, legal, regulated fashion versus what they have been doing and what they've been forced to do because they haven't had the ability to actually gamble um, on a legal platform. Yeah, it is interesting because now we are talking about legal. It just sounds so weird now. We're in the first March Madness uh, with the decision, for those who don't know, the Supreme Court allowing a state-by-state approach to legalize sports betting this past um, May. So here we are. A number of stats that I want to sort of run by you and get your to elaborate on. The 47 million American adults wagering on March Madness I guess my quick math comes out to about one one in five adult Americans. That's right. That. Is that right? Yep, yep, yep. One in five, uh, which is astounding. Uh, adults will have placed a bet during the tournament at some point in time. Now, when you say bet, are you talking, is that include the sheets? I'm sorry, does that include the... The brackets, like filling out yeah. the brackets. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, so it's um it's a combination of a couple things. Um, it is those people that are filling out the brackets, um, doing those office pools, which 
oddly enough, um, are majority of the time are illegal, um, as well as with a friend um, to the more elaborate uh, bets that are taking place either online or um, a bookie. Can you elaborate on that where you just said sort of, uh, I want to follow up on that, that some of these office pools or a lot of them are in fact illegal? Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, look, our intent in releasing these numbers is not to be the fun police and, right. you know, say these things need to be shut down. And my gosh, you know, I'm not betting with my kids, but my kids are filling out the bat- the bracket with me. Um, it's clearly something that's fun, is enjoyable. People socialize around it. But I think it speaks to the larger issue, which is, you know, gaming and betting on sports is a part of the American culture. And, um, you know, I think that's why sports betting has taken off uh, in states. It's such a has eight states uh, already up and uh, running, as well as then an additional three states that have the ability to move forward with um, legalized sports betting in the District of Columbia. Uh, again, I think it just it goes back to the fact that this is a part of our culture. This is something that's been going on for a long time. Right. And, you know, the, the preference is to bring it out into the legal market and, um, you know, from a consumer protection standpoint, as well as uh, recapturing lost revenue. Yeah, you make a great point that you and I have talked about over the years about fan engagement. I know from the NFL, obviously, the fan engagement is so much better with first fantasy and now legalized sports betting. And that's so true with this March Madness experience. I think one of your uh, one of your release points was that 57 percent of Americans said if they a team they bet was in the Final Four, the games would be more entertaining. It's kind of an obvious statement, but it is dramatic that people are much more engaged when they have a a wager on the game. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, I think this has been common sense and. As, as you said, something that we've talked about for years, that when you have skin in the game, we saw it with daily fantasy sports. We actually did years ago prior to the Supreme Court ruling. Um, you know, We looked at the fan engagement then uh, with brackets, how many more games were being consumed for how much longer. And, uh, you know, without a doubt, people are, they're invested. They're invested in watching the tournament, they um, are investing, invested in watching teams that they may not necessarily have normally watched. So I think, you know, we're able to kind of prove now that there is that direct correlation. I know this may be a little bit out of your spectrum, but can you comment on this sort of, I mean, listen, the NCAA, we'll forget about the sports leagues for a minute, but the NCAA has been the name, had been the name plaintiff in the New Jersey case, fighting sports betting for six, seven years. And certainly they're not thrilled about association of betting and amateur college sports. I guess my, my question is, yeah, I mean, that's, I want your reaction and maybe that's it. I mean, it just, it's sort of laughable. I mean, to go on and the CBS sports and you, you know, you see, you have the ability to download the, the bracket. You have the ability to share it with friends for an office pool. I mean, give me a break. It's like it, the tools have been there. Yes, they can they can put in uh, 
postscript and footnote that, you know, you don't want you betting on the sports. I mean, give, you know, let's, let's be realistic and honest. And they have for a long time enjoyed uh, and reaped to the benefits of, again, this fan engagement tool and to pretend as though betting's not happening on the sport is ridiculous. And, um, you know, I, I think it's, I get it from a public perception standpoint. It's a tough issue. You have amateur athletes, but what you know, the, the reality is, is that these amateur athletes are not paid. If anyone is going to be the most susceptible to throwing a game or being, you know, having been on the take is, uh, is someone that's not being compensated for playing their sport. So, you know, our realistic viewpoint of this is it's happening. Um, let's work in partnership together then to figure out how we can detect when something suspicious is happening and share that information through law enforcement and, uh, you know, tackle the problem together. But to act as if uh, the old barrier head in the sand uh, analogy that this isn't happening is, is just ridiculous. Now, have you, as the American Gaming Association, engaged the NCAA in any kind of talks to sort of, like you just said, kind of lose the hypocrisy and, and talk through it? Yeah, I mean, we've had conversations with them, and, you know, I think they're they're, they're just challenged. They, they obviously um, represent, I think it's close to 13,000 universities, 13, you know, of the universities. It's hard to drive consensus when you have some universities that are far more conservative than others. You're dealing with different dynamics and size and scope, so it is it, hurting cats, I think, would be an understatement. Um, and then you have the conferences. The conferences have sort of their own viewpoint on, on what makes sense. Um, so I, I understand the complexity and the, uh, the differing viewpoints among their membership and how that would be hard to sort of get them all aligned. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I also think that it's sort of a foolish approach to act as if, you know, this isn't happening. And I mean, You've had commissioners who have long, as you, you mentioned, the NCAA had been in this legal battle for years. You had commissioners like um, Bettman and Silver who, you know, have definitely come around to uh, embracing what's happening. And again, you know, wanting to work in partnership then with the gaming industry on it. Right. And I guess the question sort of following up what you said earlier is, the illegal market. Uh, you know, we sort of think about the illegal market as some bookie in the back of a barbershop. And I guess my question to you, whether it's March Madness or gaming in general, that's not really going away, correct? I mean, what what is being done yeah. to sort of do that? Yeah, the, the best way to combat the illegal market, quite frankly, is to put the most robust, fair, equitable um, policy program in place that allows then the states and the operators to compete with those illegal operators. I mean, this has been a big part and reason why the industry has been opposed to uh, the league's proposal for an integrity fee. Um, to us, you know, it, it really does come down to um, the ability to uh, acquire customers to offer co comparable odds the, the less likely we are to compete with the illegal market. Um, clearly, the illegal market, those operators, they don't pay taxes. 
Um, they're not held, they're not going to be paying integrity fees. That's for sure. And so it does, um, at the end of the day, it puts us at a competitive disadvantage. And, you know, I would say this is one of the areas in which I know we have alignment with the league in, in the sense that they do ultimately want to drive traffic to those legal operators. And, you know, I think just the, the economics and understanding that is a, is a big part of how, you know, that we would be successful then in shutting down the illegal market. Yeah. And I think moving to the leagues, uh, as we talk about gambling in a bigger sense, they've kind of, as you said, Batman and silver and even NFL a little bit has come around to the acceptance of gambling and teams in Vegas and accepting fantasy before, I guess the question is always they want federal, right? So even with the Supreme Court decision, you have all these commissioners advocating for federal one-look one policy as opposed to the state-by-state. State. And what's your feeling on that? Yeah, I mean, our feeling is that, um, you know, this is, uh, we certainly know our industry um, with all due respect better than the leagues. And the reality of the situation is, is that gaming is largely determined on a state by state basis. Um, it has not been typically regulated at the federal level, although we have very stringent requirements when it comes to anti-money laundering and um, consumer protections in place from a federal standpoint, but gaming is largely dictated um, by a state, you know, through a state by state process. And, you know, I'm not, I, I'm, I really am not sure why they have pushed for a federal framework other than because at the end of the day, we're, the gaming operators are the ones that have to adhere to whatever's put in place. So the burden's really on us, not on them. Um, I think from a simplicity standpoint, it certainly sounds a lot easier. But the fact of the matter is it's incredibly difficult to pass legislation. It's a lot easier to kill it. Um, you know, I think most Americans would agree and, and just sort of looking and the frustration and, and getting things done in Congress, it's very, very, very difficult. So, you know, our argument has been there isn't anything that has been presented thus far by um, some of the senator proposals from a federal standpoint that we aren't already doing at a state level. And so to us, it's just another layer of bureaucracy that costs a lot of money. And again, it, it, it cuts into our ability then to shut down the illegal market. And I think people need to know this is state by state and it's not going to be all states. I don't think we're going to see legalized sports betting in Utah. So yeah. Where do you see this going? You mentioned eight states as we sit here today, whatever, eight months, nine months after the decision. Any predictions towards number of states end of year yeah. by, by the NFL season or this time next year? Yeah, so the old um, prognostication, um, it's, it's always hard. And, um, you know, I think you know we've seen... 11 states right now that you have the ability to move forward and the District of Columbia. Um, and right now, we have 22 states that have legislation pending. So a lot of this, uh, I've been doing uh, policy advocacy work for a long time. Um, things fall apart. They come back together again. And, you know, by the, it's, it is the truly the sausage making um, on steroids. So, it, you know, we'll see what happens by July when a lot of the legislatures adjourn. 
Um, you know, my guess is is that uh, it it won't be probably as many states as, as people hope for, but you know, the fact that the conversations are happening and um, legislators are examining this, uh, you, to me, once the, the toothpaste is out of the tube, it's really hard to put it back in. And, you know, having worked on gaming legislation for a long time, this is pretty typical where it just takes a couple years for legislators to get comfortable with it, for there to be all the sort of regulatory kinks worked out, Um so, you know, anticipate that this conversation is going to continue for, for the next, you know, three to five years. And, um, you know, I think the efficiency of the market would probably won't be realized for, for some time. But, um, you know, the steps in the right direction uh, versus where we were a year ago. Yeah, completely different. Yeah, last comment, uh, just sort of let you close the, the podcast with any comments about Back to where we started with this massive $8.5 billion being bet, one in five Americans on March Madness, the NCAA tournament. It's kind of baked into our society, right? Gambling and yep. the NCAA tournament. So <laughs> Completely. It's now, I guess, the, yeah, I guess my, my point is it has been. And now we have legalized sports betting in eight states. So is it only just going to be more of the same, or are we going to see even more association with the gaming side? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we've done some consumer research um, over the past couple of years. I mean, certainly you have those people that um, go to Las Vegas and have been going to Las Vegas or um, Nevada for years to go with friends and participate in March Madness and sit in the book and um, have a great time. And I yeah. think, you know, it's going to, I think it's going to, I'm actually on my way up to uh, New York right now to, I'm going to go to the Meadowlands and just check it out tomorrow and see what's yeah. happening and um, be a part of it all. I think it's, um, it's incredibly exciting. It's great for our industry. There definitely is a rising tide lifts all ships. Um, given that, you know, people come in, they want to hang out, watch the games, and then they may go to the restaurant or they may play blackjack. So all in all, very good for our industry. Um, again, I think as, you know, we see this further refined and developed over the next couple of years, um, I think there will be more interest maybe from people that didn't, you know, typically pace a bet, uh, that would want to, um, or, and, or, you know, we're doing it in, in a legal fashion, not realizing it. And, you know, we'll participate through that legal regulated market instead. Yeah, it's come a long way, you know, since sure. you, and I, you and I started doing these panels a few years ago, and here we are. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, here we are. No one thought. <laughs> Great to have you on the podcast. Sarah Slane, Thank Senior you, Vice Andrew. President of Public Affairs for the American Gaming Association. It'll be an exciting week for March Madness, exciting three weeks. Thanks for being with me. Thank you so much for having me. Really hope you enjoyed hearing from Sarah Slane. Sarah, I've known for a while, as I said on the podcast the expert in American gaming, and she has made some great points about let's lose the hypocrisy, especially even about NCA and what goes on. Every one of you listening, I'm guessing, is filling out a bracket as I speak here on Wednesday of this week, and by the time you hear this, you'll know some results, and you're furiously either checking off or crossing off your March Madness brackets. That's what we talked about. Really interesting podcast with Sarah Slane, Senior Vice President of the American Gaming Association. 
And speaking of betting, it's that time of year in basketball. You know, March Madness, March Mania, March Money, Podcast One, Sportsnet, that's who we got. BetOnline.ag, you get your first account, you get a 50% welcome bonus. Once you're signed up, you fill out your bracket online. Make sure you get it done by this Wednesday at midnight. Each each week through the tournament, they're going to pick the most games correctly. That Podcast One Sportsnet show that has, they're going to get you your betonline.ag account. So even if your bracket gets busted early, don't worry. The fun will continue as you have a chance each week, each week of the tournament, to win this money. It's Sportsnet Brackets, presented by betonline.ag. March Madness, don't miss out. Wednesday at midnight is the deadline. Don't forget to use that promo code PODCAST1. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Really appreciate all of you listening. Apple Podcast rankings and comments are always appreciated. Thanks for following me on Twitter, at Andrew Brandt. And we'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. It's different for everyone. One thing is certain, every day there's an opportunity for a win. Just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab and go. Everyday giftable, everyday fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher High Roller Blackjack with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to a retailer near you. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16.